This is a 980 CKNW podcast. If attitudes around sex were more open and people were free to talk more openly about their sexuality, their habits, perhaps the stigma and taboos surrounding certain aspects of sexuality and health would be different. I make every effort to do this and will try again tonight on the Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate everyone about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. Good evening. I am Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. It is my honor and pleasure to be here. I'm a registered nurse in the field of sexual health, author of the book Sex and Health, Why One Can't Come Without the Other, researcher, blogger, clinician in North Vancouver, and also online a TEDx speaker, and your resource to help start that conversation, answer your questions, and help you discover new and exciting things about sex, love, relationships, your body, and your health. I make a few innuendos, yes, but no judgments and certainly no apologies. Just fearless, straight-up sex talk. Let's hope for you it will be illuminating, educational, get you thinking outside of the box, and have a little bit more fun in life. So, Please stay with me, and thank you so much for being here with me this evening. I want to mention there is an aspect of sexual health that is dark, and that is, of course, what's going on in the world, all of the sexual harassment that is going on in workplaces all over. Any sexual abuse or unwanted sexual advances, pedophilia and rape. Of course, for those of you who've been sexually Assaulted in any way, you are never far from my heart, and I wish you all the best on your healing journey. And I keep you in my thoughts and prayers, always. Put the kitties to bed, grab your glass of wine, your lover, and uh, hang in there with me, okay? Give you the 411 on what's going on beneath the covers, sometimes not much. We're going to talk about that tonight. Good evening, Amir. How are you this week? Uh, This week was a little bit up and down. I was a little bit sick. But then, you know, that's kind of a nice thing on this show, right? To have that kind of rasp in your throat. (laughs) It certainly is. uh, (laughs) I need to be sick to get that. The deeper, the better, they say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, your voice is certainly sounding sexy. That's sexier. Well, thank you. I'm flattered. That's great. Well, full disclosure for me, I'm jet lagged. So, oh, okay. Well, we're kind of on the same page. <laughs> I'll then. be kind of, you know, floaty, <laughs> a little bit more spacier than usual, or mildly more confused. <laughs> Whatever. All of my weaknesses just seem to be exaggerated with my jet lag. But you know, I get the best sleep when I have jet lag oh, okay. for like three nights in a row. I, I typically sleep really well, but I just have this amazing ability to fall asleep. I just love it. Kind of like anyway. you're almost a dead. Right. Um, <laughs> slipping away. <laughs> Let's try not to um, be Debbie Downer here. Amir. No, sorry. That was a joke. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but speaking of Saturday Night Live, there is a skit that everybody just has to see. Of course, I spent last week in Boston for American Thanksgiving. It's a small town outside of Boston. And um, Black Friday was fantastic. Managed to score a Michael Kors coat for a significantly reduced price. It would probably be around $600 here. And I got it for 75 <laughs> once I applied all the coupons. But anyway... It reminds me, okay, here we are into the next holiday for Americans. That is the next, that is Christmas uh, for, um, or not just Americans, but for me anyway. And other people celebrate Hanukkah and other. Mm-hmm. Um, but for Canadians, of course, holiday means another vacation. Uh, so, 
<laughs> just to clarify that. But it just made me think about the holidays. And so one of the best Saturday Night Live skits, have you seen it? It's called Santa Baby. I might have. And it's um, the neighbors come over and they, they have a little co- neighborhood cocktail party. Uh-huh. And this couple comes over and they're so into each other, <laughs> uncomfortably into each right. other. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and they believe in Santa Claus. Anyway, you've got to go. If you haven't seen it, go to, if you want a great laugh. And just, we all know people like this. We've perhaps been this person. <laughs> We've been part of this couple, <laughs> perhaps. But <laughs> go to YouTube and pu- punch in Santa Baby. And uh, it's, it's a great few minutes to spend of your life. Of course, not right now. Don't do that right now because I'm going to tell you what's going to come up on the show tonight. Uh, so yesterday marked the beginning of... Uh, 16 days of uh, ending violence against women in wow. Canada. So I'm going to be talking a little bit about that tonight. And that's it's perfectly poignant and, and timely, especially given what's going on in the world today. And also, if you've been living under a rock and you have no idea what's been going on in workplaces across, many of these powerful loser men have been exposed after exposing themselves to women <laughs> in the workplace. I heard one recently where a woman told me that her uh, at, she was at her best friend's house when she was 13 years old, and her the father came up. I hope you put the children to bed. Uh, the father came up and grabbed her nipple and twisted oh it and said God. hello. Another one is a young woman worked in a company, uh, had a summer job that her father got the job for her through connections, and and you know one of the top guys in the company who was had something to do with her getting the job. She went to deliver a package to him, and he said, I don't think you're quite old enough to handle my package. You know, like these things, people think that these are okay and appropriate. It put her in a very awkward position, of course, because she didn't want to tell her parents because he'd helped her get the job. And, of course, she doesn't want to work there next summer. And, you know, but everybody's pretending everything is grand and fabulous. And anyway, so awkward. Uh, I'm not sure who raised you or what is going on in your heads when you behave like that, but... Not much. So I'm going to be talking a little bit more about what, uh, how to recognize sexual harassment in the workplace, because often people will just say, oh, that's just Bob being Bob. You know what he's like. You know, but it's actually very disturbing for women when it happens. And it does happen to men as well. But for the most part, it's mostly women. And of course, the hashtag MeToo campaign is largely about women sharing their stories of how it happened to them. And I I really don't think there's a woman in the world that has escaped sexual harassment or some type of unwanted sexual advancement or or sexual abuse. I mean, really, it is just so common. It happens all the time. So, but, But still, it's difficult to recognize it. And then also, who can help? Who can be allies in this fight, in this war? Well, I think it's the bystanders. And often people just dismiss it or they don't stand up for other people or they don't say anything. And it's very, very difficult for women to come forward about sexual harassment. There's certainly power in numbers. And that's why a lot of these women are coming forward now because they realize, hey, there's other, this happened to other people. It wasn't just me. It's often so secretive because there's so much shame around it and embarrassment. You don't know what to do. You can be paralyzed in your response to it. So I'm going to be talking a little bit more about that tonight. Um, what else? I'm going to be talking about, uh, you know, Canada is uh, very forward thinking in terms of their 
sex research. We have some of the most preeminent sex researchers in the country, and mm. one of them is joining me tonight. Dr. Lori Brado is a colleague of mine, and she's going to be talking about her research on mindfulness and um, her research on female and its impact on low sexual desire. And, you know, is this a medicalized condition? And what about drugs to treat this? So I have all the questions for her. And if you have any questions, because that's a common issue for women is low sexual desire, but they certainly are not the only ones that have low sexual desire. It can happen to men as well. And when a woman is rejected by a man, it's actually far more devastating because, of course, we're all educated that men want sex all the time. And that's not necessarily true. There are two guys out there that don't. Uh, No, I'm sure there's more than that. (laughs) I, I kid. But, you know, when women tell me that they're it's much more common that women have low sexual desire. But when a woman shares her story, and in fact, I was sitting at the airport, and where was I? I was in Minneapolis, and I was talking to this woman, and she said to me, uh, we were talking about the kind of work that she did and the type of work that I did, and um, and I typically don't say, because it opens up a whole can of worms, but anyway, I did, and she said, listen, tell me about this sexless marriage work that you do, because I'm in one. And and she wasn't and I did, I have to say, I assumed that she was the one with low sexual desire and and but that wasn't the case. And so I'm going to be sharing a little bit more about that story and why her husband potentially had low sexual desire. He had no interest in sex. There there were a number of reasons potentially that she thought could be the cause of it. But she had tested those theories out and um, there was only one that um, she reduced it to in the end. And it's a difficult one, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about that. So sexual frequency is a big issue for people. Like, And that's the other thing. I get patients in my clinical practice. I shouldn't really call them patients. Clients, they come in because they have problems with sexual frequency, desire discrepancy. One wants more sex than the other. But their memories are so different. And so I'll say to the guy, when, when did you last have sex with your wife? And he'll say, you know, it's been like two and a half years and the last time we were in, you know, Alaska on an Alaskan cruise for the dream of her life. And so she agreed to have sex with me. It was terrible. But anyway, and then she says, I say, well, how often do you have sex with your husband? And she's like, oh, we probably have it like two or three times a week. Anyway, so there is uh Something to level the playing field, shall we say, or shall we uh, make people a little bit more honest? And it's called the Sexulator, and it's a sex calculator. So you actually jot down. I mean, you could do it with a notebook and pen, I suppose, or notes on your phone. Sexulator sounds way cooler. Doesn't it? I just love the Sexulator. It's like (laughs) one of my favorite words now. (laughs) Sexulator. So can you just check the Sexulator and see what last time we had sex? Um, so we're going to be talking a little bit about something that a lot of people don't talk about. It's embarrassing. And as I said at the beginning of the program, you know, sex is such a stigma. It's so stigmatized. We don't talk about it. We're not comfortable talking about it. And yet it's a health subject. And so I implore healthcare professionals, politicians, whomever, to make this conversation easier. And so there are certain people who get particular types of cancers that may face sexual challenges. And so we're going to be talking about cancer survivors tonight and some of the challenges they face sexually. Um, and what else are we going to talk about? Why? Okay, being attracted to somebody. <laughs> we're going to be talking about infidelity too uh, tonight. And also, you know, some of the, ten, some of the facts about infidelity, uh, but some of the things that you might not think about. And 
but being attracted to somebody isn't necessarily what you think, especially the person that you end up with. So I'm going to be talking to you about the reason you're attracted to somebody. And it may not have anything to do with how they look, or but it might have more to do with how they are or where you've been or what's happened to you. Um, but then that leads us to infidelity, and which is a it's a one of the biggest betrayals. But there are other betrayals in in marriage as well that that don't actually uh, get criticized as much as the betrayal of infidelity. So, but oftentimes people will be married and then be having a relationship outside of the marriage, and then oftentimes they're caught, and then they have you know they have uh, some choices to make: do they remain in the marriage? Do they um, do they end the marriage or they do nothing and remain in the marriage as it were and with the issues that may have led to the infidelity? However, what about the other person, the other woman, which is a common expression. We never hear the other man because we always just like to chide women. But anyway, <laughs> don't worry, guys. Crazy about you. Um, but <laughs> anyway, what about that other woman? And a lot of therapists often say, You've got to end it with the other woman. And I often say that in my clinical practice. If you want to give the old college try to your marriage, you've got to end it with the other woman. But I also tell people, you can't just end it. This is You're going to go through the grieving process. And so I'm going to be talking about how to end it with the other person that you may have been sneaking around with. Um, so those are some of the subjects that we're going to be talking about tonight. But when I come back from the break. I'm going to be telling you about the next 16 days in Canada. I am Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Thanks so much for being here with me this evening. I forgot to tell you, if you have any questions for me, you can give me a call, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. The lines are open, and I would love to talk to you. Of course, I forgot to mention, too, the jet lag, that I'm going to be answering your emails, which are fabulous, and I love receiving emails from you. And I get them all week long, and I love them, and I respond to everybody, Um Eventually, <laughs> I try and respond as soon as possible. And then the other thing is people phone me. You may not realize this. I have a phone number on my website that you can call. And then whenever I answer it, which is always, <laughs> people are so surprised. And they're like, oh, I just thought you'd have your secretary answer it. And I'm like, well, if you could get me one, that would be so great. Because <laughs> then I could have one. And actually what I've done sometimes is... <laughs> Only people who are listening get to hear these little secrets of mine. But I was, I have been known to hand the phone to somebody at a lunch and just go, just answer that and act like you're my administrative assistant. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're totally like, what? I'm like, yeah, yeah, just answer it and just say Maureen McGrath's line. And then they do. <laughs> Anyhow, but for the most part, yes, of course, I answer the phone. I don't get that many calls, but if you can always call me if you have a question for me or sometimes people want to book an appointment and it's just easier that way or you can leave me a voicemail as well. So that's my little digital office line because I do digital consults as well. So I do see patients or people, clients all over the U.S. and France and Singapore. They, there's no, uh, they, there are no limits to borders. <laughs> Sex problems across borders uh, because people have the same issues, seemingly, or according to my perception in any case. 
around the world. So I am going to uh, tell you something in this next little um, half an hour about how you can win a little prize. Of course, I always give out a prize. Um, I like to anyway, but of course it has to have a contest with it. So I'm dreaming that up right now. (laughs) But I do want to start with um, talking about the next 15 days, because this actually started yesterday. The Honorable Miriam Monsef, the Minister of Status of Women in Canada, yesterday issued the following statement. The Government of Canada invites all Canadians to join in recognizing yesterday as the beginning of the 16 days of activism against gender-based violence in Canada and around the world. It was also the International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women. And the next 15 days, it's a total of 16 days, include December 6th, which is Canada's National Day of Remembrance and Action on Violence Against Women. It's an important anniversary where we remember the tragic murder of 14 young women at L'Ecole Polytechnique de Montreal in 1989. These women were killed simply because they were women. Recent public and media attention has renewed focus on what statistics have long confirmed. Women in Canada and around the world continue to face disproportionate levels of violence each and every single day. And that's why this year's theme for 16 Days of Activism is My Actions Matter. And that represents a call to action for all Canadians, including men and boys, to be part of the solution by calling out and speaking up against gender-based violence. And the Government of Canada is challenging all of you Canadians to think about ways we can end gender-based violence in our homes, schools, communities, workplaces, and online. My Actions Matter, and it's hashtag My Actions Matter, ask the question, what will you do to stand up against gender-based violence? And I ask you the same question. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. We talk all about sex and sexuality and relationships and... You know, I'm American, as you uh, may have heard me speak about before. And so I see the difference between culturally between Americans and Canadians. And and you wouldn't think, I mean, sex authority isn't the reputation that you might think Canada has because we think of Canadians as so nice and always saying sorry and uh, sorry. (laughs) And and Americans, you, you would think that Americans would be more progressive, but no, no, it's actually... Uh, the it's Canada who holds the brains behind good sex and good sex research, which is even more important thanks to strong scientific funding and actually a progressive attitude around sex and sexuality. And we have many leaders um, in this in this field, and one of them is on the line with me. That is Dr. Lori Brado joins me. She's professor of Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the University of British Columbia and Canada Research Chair in Women's Sexual Health. And her research focuses on how mindfulness can improve the quality of women's sexual lives. Good evening, Dr. Brado. Hi, Maureen. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you doing? Very good, thank you. Oh, good. Nice article in the Globe and Mail. And well, thank you. I, I'm I'm certainly proud to be among many, many amazing sex researchers in this country. We certainly do have some great ones, Karen Blair and um, Dr. Chivers, Terry Humphreys, and many who are also leading the way at the of large uh, sexual health conferences and sexual health organizations. Um, so 
we're um, we're paying attention to you, and uh, and thank you for the great work that you do. Well, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Now, you do a lot of work with mindfulness, and especially in how it can help women with low sexual desire, as also also as well as how it can help patients suffering from provoked vestibulodynia, which is pain in the vaginal entrance when touched. Uh, tell me about uh, how you came to look at mindfulness as a way to help women with these sexual issues. Sure. So I'm sure for for your listeners, um, my my bet is that they're quite familiar with the term mindfulness. It's really risen to everyday conversation. Uh, uh, not a day goes by that we don't see something in the media or the news about mindfulness. And in part, it's because it's had a very long history, 4,000 years or so. Um, in Eastern practice, it's, it's certainly a big part of, of Buddhist meditation. But over the last 40 years, it's really made its way into Western healthcare and Western medicine. Um, and about uh, 15 or so years ago, when I was a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Washington, and I, I had uh, learned mindfulness, learned what mindfulness was for the very first time, and it was part of a brand new treatment that I was learning about and it was it was a treatment to help individuals who had chronic um, suicidal ideation so individuals who were having ongoing and distressing thoughts about hurting themselves or killing themselves um, as which as you can imagine would be very very distressing for them um, and mindfulness was a core part of, of their treatment and essentially what mindfulness involved was teaching them to pay attention to and not be afraid of some of those um, intrusive thoughts. And when they did that, when they actually tuned in to the thoughts rather than tuned out, what those individuals learned was that the, the thoughts weren't that distressing, um, that when they could focus on the here and now, they could actually ride out those, those distressing thoughts. Um, and so at that time, as I was learning about this approach to mindfulness, um, I had also been a sex researcher for some time and, and um, at the time was doing some work with women uh, who were reporting that they simply could not feel any aspect of their, their sexual arousal anymore. These were women who had uh, treatment for early-stage cervical cancer, and this particular treatment left them feeling like they, they had no physical arousal at all. So they, they really described this disconnect from their body. Um, and I sort of put two and two together, and I thought, well, if mindfulness is really about tuning in and paying attention and making one more in touch with what's already there, could this be something that might be helpful for these women who are describing not feeling anything at all? And that was sort of where things started. And, uh, you know, like I said, fast forward about 15 years, and we've now adapted mindfulness to a variety of different populations of, of individuals who have different kinds of sexual concerns. And I remember when we were working together at the BC Center for Sexual Medicine, I remember the, um, the lunch and learns that we would have, and I remember you came one day with a uh, raisin for each of us. <laughs> and I and I still, Maureen, I still do that to this day. And I find, you know, when I come out with that plate full of raisins, and, and people look at it, and sometimes they roll their eyes. Oh my gosh, Dr. Brado and her raisins! But it's it's one of the most potent ways of being introduced to mindfulness because what we do really is is um, you know we spend ten minutes observing, listening to, feeling, looking at. Um, and, and tasting and eventually swallowing the raisin. And it's a very, very powerful and potent 
um, entry into how different our experience can be when we just pay attention. Absolutely, and I have never forgotten it, and it's also a technique that I share with my patients as well. Uh, very, I mean, it's the only one that I use to introduce them to the concept of mindfulness around their issues, aside from referring them to you for mindfulness cognitive behavioral therapy, which is... Well, is thank you for that, Maureen. <laughs> my pleasure, my pleasure. <laughs> uh, also, you're also doing some work around, um, or there's... There, there have been other efforts by other major companies to deal with women's low sexual desire through uh, drug therapy, through medications. And so um, I'm, we're going to go to break, and I'd like you to hang on the line if you don't mind, and we'll come back and talk about um, whether there is a pink Viagra or not. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. I have on the line Dr. Lori Brado. She's a professor of obstetrics and gynecology at the University of British Columbia and Canada Research Chair in Women's Sexual Health. She works with patients who have low sexual desire, women, women with low sexual desire and provoked vestibulodynia. And through her mindfulness work, she has changed the lives of many women and also has positively impacted so many relationships. Dr. Brado, thanks for staying on the line with me. My pleasure. Thanks, Maureen. Uh, you're also following the story of Addy, the drug that has been touted as the female Viagra, and that's not yet approved in Canada. That's right. Um, as as you well know, it has been. It's it, it. This is the drug that won the race, the long-standing race since Viagra for men was approved in 1998 in the United States and 1999 in Canada, of course, for the treatment of uh, men's erectile dysfunction. Um, and several different pharmaceutical companies um, had been had had been um, engaged in this race to really identify the first ever effective and safe medication. Uh, for women's sexual concerns. So Addy, the, the uh, generic name is Flabanserin, was approved in the United States in the summer of 2015 and is, and is not at the present time approved in Canada. It's still under review with Health Canada and has been there for about a year and a half. That is right. Yes, we, we don't quite know what's, what's happening behind the closed doors uh, around those conversations, but uh, my own view is uh, the fact that this has been under review for such a long time uh, probably does not bode well for, uh, for the future of Addy in Canada. And the results of uh, the medication, which has been approved for a little while in the U.S., has been pretty underwhelming for women, which was in line with the research that was done. That's right. So the research did find Addy to be um, significantly, statistically significantly more helpful than a placebo or a sugar pill comparison group for improving the number of uh, sexually satisfying events. So for your listeners who are not quite sure what that means, and many, many researchers still to this day are not quite sure what that means, but essentially um, people who are participating in the trials were asked to tally up the number of sexual encounters they had over the course of the month and then rate how many of those encounters uh, they would view as being satisfying to them. So compared to the placebo group, 
Addie resulted in about one extra sexually satisfying event per month compared to the placebo condition. So, yeah, it was significant in terms of um, the data crunching and statistics, but in terms of overall impact um, to increase the number of satisfying events by just one per month, um, despite the fact that there are quite a number of side effects that go along with taking this medication, um, did result in quite an underwhelming response when the medication was finally approved in the United States. That's right, and it and it was quite controversial as well, given those uh, that the benefits didn't necessarily outweigh the risks. Physicians. Uh, it was my understanding, especially in Canada, we're going to need particular education in order to be able to prescribe this medication uh, to women or for women, in part because of the risk of fainting. They weren't going to be, they were to be educated, the women were to be educated not to drink alcohol uh, when taking this medication. And so the, there was much concern about some of the side effects, even though some of the medications for men have particular side effects as well. This, this seemed to have a lot of controversy getting through the FDA also and different groups, and, um, but certainly the benefits did not outweigh the risks. Yeah, and, and the alcohol contraindication um, the feedback from when was that was really the kicker. So because this is a medication that needs to be taken every day for it to work, and in fact, um, the, the clinical trials show that it had to be taken every day for at least a month before you started to see some of the benefit. That meant that while women were taking this, um, they absolutely could not be taking alcohol because when alcohol is combined with Addy, it resulted in quite a dangerous drop in their blood pressure, uh, which meant that women could faint while they were at work or driving or, you know, operating dangerous machinery or what have you. Um, and, and for a lot of women, a little bit of alcohol is not only social, um, but can also, you know, help, help a woman's sexual desire. And help um, a woman relax and be more vulnerable? All, all of those things. Um, at low doses. And, and so um, because of that strong contraindication, it's essentially a black box warning on the, on the, on the Addy uh, containers. Um, uh, it meant that a lot of women were saying, eh, thanks, but no thanks. Absolutely. And that may be part of the issue, although we don't know what goes on behind the closed doors of Health Canada, but that may be something they're grappling with. It could be, and I think my, I mean, my own view is, uh, I think in line with the, uh, the, the wonderful Globe and Mail article that, that really kind of illustrated the, the, where the bar is set in terms of great sexual science in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that those on Health Canada are, are simply saying, you know, for one extra sexually satisfying event per month, per month, surely there's got to be something better. If we are to continue to pursue this track of finding a medication effective for women, why are we settling on something that has such meager benefit and with such profound side effects? Surely we can do better than that. And so that's what I think is what's happening right now behind those closed doors. When we can offer them all a glass of wine, says Health Canada. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, well, I don't know that they would be recommending wine. But, uh. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's always better, regardless of whatever health condition one has, it's always better to start with conservative measures and, and changing your lifestyle or, or adopting mindfulness or doing something that, that has little or no side effects, which is, which is a lot of the work that you do. 
And and often where I begin as well, you know, I will often advise people to speak to their doctors about potentially coming off a medication that's not helping them or giving them significant side effects and dealing with it through another way. Well, that's just it, Maureen. And, and you know, when we, when we talk about sexual concerns in, in women and men, but especially in women, there can be any myriad of different causes. And uh, I think what ends up happening is um, we tend to look at, you know, what are the most obvious things? Has there been, uh, have, have, I, have I gone through menopause? Has there been a surgery? But we fail to look at all of the other factors that could be contributing to a change in sexual desire or a loss of a loss of orgasm, what have you. Um, and so my plea is is that people do that extra little bit of work, that bit of investigation to really look at all the different parts of your life and um, when you can identify, oh, maybe this is what's contributing. Often it doesn't require a medication to be able to improve that. That's right. And it's very hard for people to look back at their childhood or look back at the family in which they were raised because... You know, you can never say anything about somebody's family or dog, for that matter. Um, and so the work that Dr. Rosemary Basson is doing presently about female desire and sexual response is interesting, looking at what role stress hormones and past histories of childhood trauma might play when adult women lose their sexual desire. And I think it's hard for people to go back and say, my parents weren't perfect, or my life wasn't perfect, or I I had this trauma, but I don't want to go there. It's so hard to process the feelings around that, especially if it's around sexual abuse or unwanted touching or fondling. I heard uh, somebody say recently, she said that her husband had been fondled um, as a teenager, but she said, there was no intercourse. It was just fondling. And there's no just in any type of sexual no. abuse. No, absolutely not. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that, that work that Dr. Basson is doing is so important because it recognizes that, you know, those early stages of our lives when we are a young person and just kind of encountering sexuality for the first time, sometimes it's just from you know, watching parents, how they interact with one another, what we see on TV, uh, the, the media messages that we hear, all of those can set the stage for how we think about and, and all of our incoming information. It sort of acts like a filter through which we either see sexuality as something good and positive and something by which we have autonomy or maybe something that controls us and we have no say in. So definitely paying attention to, you know, how, how can we promote healthy sexuality and, and healthy sexual communication right from a young person's first exposure to it. And I think one way we're going to be doing that is through the 2019 Health, uh, Women Deliver Conference, which you are a big part of. Uh, so can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes, this is so exciting. So the Women Deliver Conference happens every three years. Um, it's going to be taking place in June of 2019. And just last week, uh, Sophie and Justin Trudeau were in town at the Vancouver Convention Center, along with Katya Iverson, the CEO of Women Deliver, to make the formal launch of, of the, the Vancouver Women Deliver Conference. So essentially what this is, this is the largest gathering of women activists, scientists, speakers, leaders, policymakers, clinicians 
um, around the world. So approximately eight to 10,000 people will be attending this conference in Vancouver, and an additional 100,000 people will be logging on online. This really was born out of um, efforts to end violence against women, particularly in, in um, developing nations from around the world, and it's really evolved into many, many different aspects of promoting health in, in girls and women. So this is a really big deal. Um, John Horgan was also present at the launch and, and, uh, and declared British Columbia's firm support, not only for the conference, but for ending gender-based based violence and, and also uh, his efforts towards having a, a gender-balanced uh, gender um, uh, cabinet that he's, he's working with. So we're really, really excited. There's a lot of work to do to get ready, ready for Women Deliver, um, but we're also very, very open to as many different creative ideas for how to make this the best ever Women Deliver conference. And there's never been a better time in history to uh, plan for this conference, and uh, so which is which is fantastic. I'm so excited that it's going to be there, and I will be there. But uh, how can people get a hold of you, Dr. Brado, if they want to come and see you in your clinical practice about mindfulness or participate in one of your research studies? So you can certainly uh, send me a tweet, which uh, my my Twitter handle is just. Uh, Dr. Lori Brado, so Dr. Lori Brado. Um, you can um, certainly contact me through my website, which is just uh, bradolab.com. You can find out about the many different research studies we're doing and read through them and, and contact us there. Um, or you can just uh, pick up a phone and, and give me a call. We'd love to to speak to uh, to anyone who's interested in 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 getting more involved in um, helping contribute to good sex research in Canada. Dr. Brado, I cannot thank you enough, and I cannot thank you enough. I'm, I'm honored that I am a colleague of yours and uh, a friend, and you've certainly supported me in, in times of trouble. <laughs> I've been able to go to you with certain issues around, especially around workplace issues, and I've, I've so appreciated that, and I and I'm, thank you so much for being on the program tonight. It's great information. Well, likewise, Maureen, I, I think your ability to communicate to the, to the masses is, um, you know, as researchers, we really count on on your voice to get the information out. So thank you for all the work that you do. Oh, you're very welcome. All right, now time to go to the news, and I'll be back for the second hour of the Sunday Night Sex Show. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.